Welcome to another very special installment of the Final Scoop Podcast. My name is Robert Chinesky, the Supplement Engineer. Joining me, my Polish brother-in-arms, Lucas Troublemaker Rakowski, Prometheus Intelligence Sports Technology, and our special guest today, the godfather of bodybuilding podcast media, Mr. Scott McNally, Think Big Bodybuilding Media. Scott, man, how are you? Thank you so much. It is an honor for you to be joining us today. Wow, that was a uh, that was a crazy <laughs> intro. The Godfather of yeah, I don't know about all that, but I, I I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are doing cool stuff over here, and uh, I'm glad I could be a part of it today. Yeah, well, I just I mean, you've been doing you've been in the podcast game for years and years now. Not to make you sound old, but you've been doing this like everybody and their grandma has a damn podcast. But you were doing it before it was kind of the cool kitschy thing to do. Um, but so just you know, thank you for. You're doing it for years and just being consistent, coming at it from a bunch of different angles. And I know you're just a fan of uh, the art of podcasting and more specifically of bodybuilding and, and fitness in general. So, uh, you know, I guess let's get a, a little bit of your background on how you kind of got in everything. Uh, right on. Well, um, I mean, to start out, and I have to tell you, too, like right after right after we were like getting ready to start, I was like, oh, man, I want some tea right now. So I just texted my fiance and she shall be bringing me tea in just a moment. So I just want to prepare you guys that uh, I shall have an interruption and maybe you guys will get a chance to meet Victoria. She's pretty cool. Special delivery. Yes. Yes. She's, she's amazing. I actually met her uh, from, uh, Hey, that's me. I commented that earlier today. Uh, I, uh, I met her through podcasting, which is, you know, kind of mind blowing. Uh, Anyway. Um, yeah, so I I loved podcasts just like you guys do, mm-hmm. uh, and I I think it was like 2014 ish. I was at the gym working out, and I I saw this dude training there, and I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty big. You know, he looks like he'd be about like light heavyweight, pretty jacked. He's about my height. I was like, I bet we're probably in the same class. And I ended up talking to him, and we became good friends. His name's VJ, and mm-hmm. uh, then we both discovered that we both enjoyed listening to the same podcasts, like all the bodybuilding. And at the time there was like maybe like three or four bodybuilding podcasts and that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was kind of special because you know what it's like, even to this day, there are so many podcasts out there. If you meet somebody like in the real world and then you find out that you both listen to the same show, there's like this really cool connection that you have, you know? So Definitely. anyway, we became fast friends and we, uh, we'd go to the gym about the same time. We'd end up doing our cardio afterward together. So we're walking on the treadmills and I'd say, Hey, you know, did you hear this, this interview with such and such on this particular show? And then we'd basically talk about that for like the next 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, eventually the idea came out that like we why don't we do our our own podcast and we'll do a podcast about all of our favorite bodybuilding podcasts so that's <laughs> that's how it started and uh we had a lot of fun with it we ran that show actually up until just this past year uh but it, uh, it, it led way to to other stuff because then i you know I, I started meeting people in the industry that i, I wanted to interview and uh, it didn't really fit within the format of that show, which was called Bodybuilding Nerds Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, so I, I started a, a, a separate thing where I could do interviews and bring people on, and we could still keep the formatting that we had for BNR, and that was called Advices Radio. And then that continued to grow, and I, I started uh, bringing other people into the network and producing shows for them, or you know, basically a lot of in a lot of what I still do today is. Um, you know, I don't really share as much as I could about the things that I know. You know, I'm a coach by trade mm-hmm. in bodybuilding, 
but um, I, I try to give the platform to other people. You know, I try to facilitate to bring other voices on so that, you know, our channel that we have now, Think Big Bodybuilding Media, my goal is to to try to bring on perspectives. You know, there's no there's no single one answer for everything. And and we don't all connect to every single person. So, mm -hmm. you know, with what I'm trying to do is it's always been bring on a lot of different perspectives that uh, for the most part are perspectives that I agree with. Sometimes, you know, we have people that'll challenge that, but you know, for the most part, I, I guess I just want to try to help educate and, and teach people. That's, that's a big part of what I try to do is, you know, that's, I feel like if, if I can say it up oh, here, she comes now, I hear she's entering the room. This is a uh, researcher. Victoria Felker is bringing me my tea now. And I met Victoria. Thank you very much. I met Victoria uh, through podcasting. She's a researcher. She came on one of the shows with Scott Stevenson, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, uh, we became friends after doing a bunch of shows together, and now we're engaged. So, like, I don't know. That's like congratulations. That's, that's my biggest success story is is landing Victoria Felcar through podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a date set yet, or is that flexible based on current conditions of everything? Thank you, Victoria. Um, we haven't set a date yet. the The engagement is pretty much brand new. We just uh, we contacted some uh, some lawyers today. Our, it's trying to bring somebody into the country is not an easy feat. So it's not like the old yeah. days where I guess you just like marry somebody and now they had a green card. This is right. like a whole other world. So and especially I mean, it's 2022. So like all, everything is you know effed up. So interesting. We'll <laughs> see. We'll least. see. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I guess, where did you kind of develop your style for podcasting? Was it just something that was just kind of natural to you? Did you listen to a lot of talk radio growing up? Uh, is it just something, or like, did, were you influenced? We're all, you know, we're all the, kind of the byproduct of things we've read or things we've been exposed to or watched, or even our own parents, siblings, whatever. Um, but how did you kind of develop your own unique style for doing everything? I do like, I mean, I... I feel like early on, I might have been influenced by listening to like NPR. If you guys have ever checked that mm -hmm. out, you know, they, they have a really cool way of doing audio storytelling. And now early on, you know, we did only audio podcast, video podcasts weren't really a popular thing yet. And it, it, I liked the magic of radio because it allows you to kind of have a level of, of, you know, you, you have to use your imagination. You have to be creative uh, not only in in telling the story, but then you also have to be creative in in listening too. You know, mm -hmm. you you paint your own pictures. So it's evolved. Like I think jumping to to video casting was a big step for me personally because it, it is so different. Um, but you know, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I listened to Rogan years and years back. I haven't listened. I don't listen to as many podcasts nowadays as I used to because I don't have as much time to. Um, you know, we're putting a lot of stuff out ourselves, but I I'd say, yeah, early on, I listened to a lot of bodybuilding podcasts like geared up and, uh, PED radio. And before that was, uh, Bob Ciccarello and Dan Solomon had the first ever bodybuilding podcast called pro bodybuilding weekly. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about that show. So Dan and Bob, I believe they got a muscle tech, uh, sponsorship out of it and they made some good money doing it. And they kind of created this, like real mainstream bodybuilding program where they would talk about the top level pros, talk about the contests that were coming up, talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of these guys. And, you know, they used, they, you, you would learn terminology, like what it meant to be flat or what it meant to be full or spilled, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and through just listening to that, 
I began to learn who all the players were in the sport at the time. And uh, that got me really interested in it. And I, I loved listening to that show. It was entertaining. At the same time, it was I was learning about the sport and I was getting to know these personalities. And then from there, uh, you know, Heavy Muscle Radio came out with, with Dave Palumbo and he still mm -hmm. does that show. It's different now. Uh, but but back in the day, that was uh, some of the best bodybuilding podcasting I'd ever heard. So I feel like I was inspired by that stuff for sure. And, yeah. and I did take aspects of those shows that you know, subconsciously that I wanted to continue bringing, you know, in my own podcasts. But uh, I, I, I guess that's that's the best answer I have is I've, it, my, the style. It's just evolved, you know, over time. I just try to listen to the message I'm delivering and then see how I want to improve that, you know, as I go. So it's been, you know, trial and error, uh, I guess, to build it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Lucas, you got a question? Yeah, I just wanted to like say that, you know, you're basically giving a platform for your, let's say, you know, followers and viewers just to like give the perspective, to, like, you know, just to introduce like, let's say, you know, Ron, Dusty and other guys to basically to the world and just show showcase theirs, not only their skills, but also like, from you know, from the coaching perspective and so on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'd, I've got a question for you, Scott, that I've always kind of been interested on is, so y'all have, you've lined up with sponsors for Think Big. So you've got the True Nutrition sponsor and you've got a couple of other ones. One thing I've always been hesitant about with doing a sponsorship for a show is like you kind of attached yourself to say, and I know, you know, Dante and True Nutrition have been around for a long time. They're on the up and up. But does it does it ever do you ever worry about it maybe impugning your credibility or your unbiased nature to deliver just kind of like the the most honest information possible by aligning yourself with various brands, whether it's in sports, nutrition or other avenues? Well, I guess at the end of the day, uh, podcasting is for me a business. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I, you know, need to create some sort of revenue from. I could I could make more money than I do. Wow by taking more sponsorships than I have, but I've aligned myself with people that I believe in, in mm -hmm. companies that I would suggest. Like you mentioned True Nutrition. Uh, as a coach, I had suggested True Nutrition to my my clients and my athletes anyway, and I had used them myself for like all of my preps. Yeah. So it just made sense. Yeah. But then, you know, it, it, it isn't, I guess it isn't an issue if you believe in the, the companies and the products that you're standing behind, it would right. be an issue for sure. If, if you, you know, you didn't believe in it. And I, and I have run into that, run into companies where it's like, Hey, this product just doesn't, I've tried it even, and I've wanted it to work. And it just didn't seem like a good fit. And the worst experience I ever had with that was telling the public, Hey, this guy approached me and I'm trying this stuff and I'm giving it to my friends and they're trying this stuff. And I can't wait to give you our feedback. And at the mm -hmm. end of this, is I'm seeing is going to be this paycheck that we're going to continue to get on a monthly basis. And I wasn't happy with the product. And so not only did I have to not take the money, but I also, then I had people saying like, what did you think? What did you think? And I had to, you know, tell them I wasn't really happy with it. And it was still, it was just my experience, but you know, I, I hate to take business away from anybody else. And then I questioned myself too. Like, is it just me? Was it just me? And you know, but I could, that's all I can do. I can, share what I think is right. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, 
the listener still has the option to make their own decisions. I never want to make any decisions for anybody. You know, I'd like to encourage people to think. And if they want to listen to me, that's freaking awesome. You know, and if they if they choose to go a different direction, you know, that's awesome, too. I'm really grateful that they took the time to consider it. You think it's better to like to collaborate with brands that are more related to fitness industry than like, you know, outside? That's a good question, man. You know, I, I, I think, I think if it makes sense, you just have to go with companies that would make sense. You know, if there's a company that wasn't fitness related and they made sense to, to, to work with you, then I say, go for it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something offhand, like, like Manscaped would be an example and and we're not affiliated with them at this time, but uh, you know, I mean, bodybuilders, they're going to want to shave, you know, so, so there you go. But I really anything, I don't care what it is. If it's something that would kind of jive with your crowd or something that your crowd could find useful, then, you know, I, I'd say go for it, man. And mm-hmm. Hey, if you could be creative and find something, you know, outside of the norm, then more power to you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, along the lines of supplements, you work with guys that are predominantly as a coach, uh, on the enhanced side or the natural side or kind of a combination of both. It's a combo of the both. Yeah. I've, I, I'd say that, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that because of probably some of my reputation, uh, in sharing education about PEDs, I do get people coming to me about that stuff. Uh, and you know, I'll do consultations, uh, you know, like one hour consultations or, or long-term coaching with people on that level. But at the end of the day, uh, whether you're enhanced or natural, it, you know, they're just different tools to reach the same goals. So, uh, I, I find that I've had a decent experience with, with both natural and enhanced people. Yeah. The, the follow-up that I was going with that was what role, if any, or what supplements do you typically recommend or suggest people use when they're going through it? Or is it more of like, do you have a base stack that you kind of get everybody started with and then kind of pull things in and add things to it as the they go through their prep or their mass gaining cycle or whatever? Um, now, are you are you talking about just for everybody or are you specifically talking enhanced or... Uh, let's start with the natural and then we can progress to the enhanced athletes after that. Okay. Um, I think a big part of it is going to be individual. You know, Mm -hmm. if somebody comes to me and uh, I mean, I I guess like one of the things I would probably put in everybody's diet is going to be a high quality fish oil. Uh, And and I think there's a lot of real good health benefits for that beyond just our goals for bodybuilding and fat loss. Um, So I'd start there. And then honestly, if we can get, if we can get away with just cleaning up their diet, I mean, then from there, you know, I, I don't consider a protein powder a supplement so much It's I consider that more of a food, but you know, protein powder, um, like a dietary fiber can be really helpful, uh, just to make sure that digestion is in check. Plus there can be some health benefits from using fiber as well. So, uh, that would be like the next step. I generally like, I won't even usually, oh, and then vitamin D is, is a big one that I've been suggesting to everybody nowadays, but from there, I would rather keep it minimal, get the Mm -hmm. food organized, see what kind of progress we can make from there and then evaluate and, and, and adjust as needed. And if we need some supplements, then I'd, I'd probably look into those things based off of the individual situation. And, and if we have lab work, more power to us, then that can give us even more insight, you know? Yeah. Are there much requests for liver? Do you have much, so if you're dealing with the enhanced guys 
and their liver enzymes start to come back elevated, do you go down the supplement or do you typically tweak things more on the uh, pharmaceutical aspect side of things? Um, okay. So if I'm working with somebody and that we're starting from scratch, like if, if we're, if this was an enhanced person, my goal would be to not let their liver enzymes get out of control to begin with. Yeah. So I've kind of shied away nowadays from say jumping straight into like an oral kickstart. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I feel like the, the more I've learned about the liver, the more important it is to keep it healthy. And I feel like 15 years ago on the message boards, we just all took milk thistle. And uh, then from there, it, you know, we, we would, we had the knowledge that if you took a break from the orals, that the liver would repair itself. And yeah. Nowadays, I just feel like, man, if we can avoid that stuff, then then let's let's avoid it. And maybe maybe a little bit of D ball here and there in the off season, and then maybe some hardeners at the end of a prep. But I think first and foremost, my goal would be to not push things that would be extremely stressful on the liver, so that we don't get into a bad situation to begin with. Then, if we did, then you know it would probably be a combination of a pulling back on whatever was causing the liver impact and then b supplementation to try to correct that in and then time you know yeah just there's there's that's an area that i've always kind of for a while i focused on like sports nutrition stuff and now i've been starting to get into more of like the joint health supplements liver health supplements and, and like that so for experienced coaches that are kind of like down in in the trenches working with athletes on a day-to-day -day, i'm always curious to see you know what what you guys are using <laughs> Um, so you mentioned milk thistle, like turmeric's got some really cool liver benefits going on, uh, glutathione or, you know, N-acetylcysteine, there's a bunch of other stuff. Reishi mushrooms, another one that's kind of cool. Um, so it's always, it's always curious to get, uh, you know, some other input just to see what you guys are doing. Yeah. Milk thistle is probably not like my heavy hitter. You know, I, I would say mm -hmm. I'm a fan of NAC, uh, that, that'd be one of the directions I go. And I, I do like, uh, curcumin, like a the super bio curcumin, I think is great stuff. And that's yeah. something... Now, like earlier when I was saying it depends on the situation, those are things that I might consider, hey, let's do this, given depending on what the situation was, mm -hmm. it might be a good idea to run those things, you know, and, and beyond that, too. I mean, like, I think I think curcumin is a great supplement just in general. I, I can tell you my personal experience that yeah. I remember the year I started using it, I noticed that I had a lot less like just nagging joint injuries, the inflammation I could tell was lower, just taking 400 milligrams of that a day. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people improve their, their, uh, their cholesterol values on it. You know, it's a, there's a lot of really cool stuff that it could do. So I think that's a great health supplement at the same time. When I start someone's plan, I don't ever say like, Hey, you need to be taking curcumin just out the gate. Everybody does, you know what right. I mean? Interesting. Lucas, you got anything? I just want to ask, you basically have like an individual approach. So if, if someone comes to you directly and he's, for example, provides you the, the blood work or like, you know, he asks you what type of like supplements he takes, you basically don't like say, oh, I have this general approach just, just to give him like a list of supplements. No, you basically like based on what he he's telling you or she's telling you you make your like adjustments and based on that you know you put your references correct yeah yeah absolutely man and, and i think further you know I, I think that sometimes when people come to a coach and and just people in bodybuilding in general they they want like they want to know like there's people out there a lot of people and i feel like i was this way once where you want like all the secrets 
you want to take all the supplements, mm -hmm. you know, you want, you, you want everything to be like this totally optimized picture when in the reality is that it, that the basics and the foundations, as my friend Dave Kalick would say, they're not sexy. It's not sexy at all, you know, yeah. and th to really reach your goals, it's not going to be nearly as complex as sometimes we might think it is. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it's, it's just putting in the hard work and following a plan. And if that doesn't work, then we have to figure out why. And sometimes that does require, you know, taking supplements or changing the nutrition or, you know, pushing harder. But uh, yeah, it's not something I would put in out the gate for sure. Yeah, well put, well put. Um, transitioning back to podcast hostings, you so you've got a, a, your regular slate of shows that you'll do with the, the typical like between Dr. Scott with Muscle Minds, Dusty and, and Ron. And, you know, every now and then you'll have guests on there. And one thing I'm curious about, just from like the hosting side, let's say you've amassed a certain amount of knowledge in your days as, you know, a coach, just a student of the sport of, of nutrition in general. And you may have gotten your, your mindset around, you know, a certain topic, a certain ingredient, a certain uh, pharmaceutical, whatever. And you have a guest on the show and they say something that is almost not completely batshit crazy, but kind of out the left field to where you know what they're verging and something wrong. In the inner hosting duties, do you kind of just let them say their piece and let the audience decide? Do you ever kind of want to chime in and say, I don't know if I agree with that? Or, you know, do you ever just call them flat out and say, dude, you're wrong? I've, uh, there's been a few times like that. I, it's rare ever. Yeah. Um, I guess I just want to make sure that I, I, I used to feel like early on, I used to feel like it was my duty to make sure that like the guest, or excuse me, that the audience was protected, that mm -hmm. you're not getting, you know, bad information. And, and I, I, I still feel that way, but I also have to tell myself that, you know, everybody's has the right to their own opinions. And, and I think, and, and everybody has the right to figure things out and make their own decisions. And I don't think it's a bad idea for people to to hear things, you know, if, it's not a bad thing for to, for somebody to say something on a program that I disagree with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I, I, I don't think it has to be in an argument like it doesn't have to be drama. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, yeah. I think that a big part of what people can get sucked into, especially with YouTube, is like creating drama. You know, that if you yes. disagree with somebody that we have to have a debate over it and <laughs> one person has to win. Right. And the reality is, I feel like, you know, our society are, like, today is just so wrapped up with like the, the, the dopamine hits that we get from seeing confrontational crap, you know, oh, yeah. on the Internet. And, you know, it, it, people enjoy the drama. And guess what? If you get involved in it your channel's going to grow too. So there's an allure to that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've mentioned before, I think, uh, you know, rest in peace, John Meadows did such a fantastic job at getting his message out there yep. while, while not compromising, you know, his integrity at the same time. Yeah. I, you know, I'm open to hear other people's ideas, even if I don't agree with them for sure. Um, you know, and, and, and what I'd like to be able to do, I guess, is share my thoughts on that topic in a respectful way at the same time, you know, not jump down their throat and tell them they're wrong or tell them they're stupid. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's something 
just about all as can get behind. I don't like to, that's one of the reasons I avoid social media and all of its incarnations and stuff. I mean, it's, I just don't, it's, I think it's too easy, especially in current social political climates and all that stuff. It's just, it's such a cesspool. And, you know, even YouTube comment sections can get like that. Fortunately, you know, I'm not at that thing, but if like you scroll down like the, the Mark Bell feeds or Joe Rogan, like when Joe Rogan was on YouTube and all that stuff, I mean, it just, you it gets super, you know, just, you know, very, uh, it's full of vitriol and hate and all that. Just, eh, let's just, let's just have, you know, let's put, put out good information that people can enjoy and then, you know, make, send off a little like bell in their minds that makes them want to think and then go down the wormhole or something. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the message boards first came out, uh, well, when I first discovered the message boards, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that this is amazing, that this gives us an opportunity where we can all get together we can share our progress and our insights mm-hmm. and we can all learn from one another. And then I realized that like everybody was there just to rip on everybody else. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, this is, you know, everybody's scared to pro- post progress pictures back then. And, you know, yeah. and, and really share their ideas. And some of the older guys, I think are still scarred by that. Like they're afraid to speak publicly unless they ha- can say their piece in a way that will have them completely 100% covered, you know, it's, it's a shame, man. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from that stuff too, I guess. Yeah. This is something you brought up the forums. This is something Lucas and I have touched on because we were both active on the forums. Uh, oh, yeah? me, me so back that it was mostly like the bodybuilding.com forums and anabolic minds to a lesser extent. But does it seem like, you know, when the, the forums are really thriving, that place was just open to a little bit more civil discussion and long form content to where you just get into like a bitch fest on like Instagram or like Facebook comment section or anything. Like, does it seem like that was a, a better breeding ground for like a civil discourse of ideas, whether it's disparate nutrition practices, training practices or whatever? I guess, you know, I, I think there was more accountability um, mm-hmm. that if you were, if you were going to like nowadays, anybody can post something and um and come off as an expert and so i i almost feel for the younger people today that are just trying to educate themselves in bodybuilding because they have to sift through just so much material you know there's so much media out there to find like who to listen to and where to learn from i think it's harder nowadays than it was back then because if you were a nobody and you just came on a message board and you started spouting off and telling everybody how they should do something, you know, you, you would get questioned. And if, if you were, you know, a bullshitter, then you'd get called out really quick and you wouldn't last that long, you know, versus it's not, it's not quite the same. I I think today. Yeah. I don't think you could really block people as easily on the forums uh, as you can do. Like somebody said, gives a dissenting opinion a day. You just ban them from your channel, your feed or whatever else. And they there wasn't that, I don't think there was that capability at least. I was yeah. using it. You still had some moderators that were like, you know, trying to scan all the forums. And if someone asking you or trying to like, you know, uh, put like bad words on you, so you then you may may get got blocked. But at at some point, you know, I remember when I was on the Polish forums, there was nothing like that, you know, and that every time it was like a cultural debate, you know, where people like trying to like educate, you know, all together and put, you know, come together to like to the, to the, to the same place, you know, and 
after work or after school, you know, just like chatting about what they love to do, you know, which was like bodybuilding, training, diet, and so on. Yeah. yeah Did they, that's cool. they've had the internet in Poland that long, Lucas? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if you don't mind me asking, I'd love to hear a little bit about what bodybuilding is like over there in, in Poland. Like, is it, is there a hardcore following the way you see here in the u.s and are are there a lot of guys like getting after it in the gym and stuff yeah man everything was everything started i think from uh, marius Pujanowski. oh yeah yeah so basically you knew the, the era of like strongman and so on everything started from there you know and you know we also had like uh, a lot of polish bodybuilders you know that like back in the days were competing and so on it got a like a uh, you know hardcore you know stage as far as like you know comp competitions and so on, but it's not like you know super popular, you know outside Poland. You know people don't don't say that much you know about you know the competitions that are, that are going on here, but you know uh, it's it's definitely popular and you know people are like trying to you know get outside Poland, you know try to compete to, in other federations and so on. So sometimes. Yeah even see you know the the polish guys you know trying to you know go come to stay come to us or like you know other parts of the world and try to compete but yeah it's it's a it's definitely uh i would say a strong sport you know here so it may not be like uh you know that that popular as it is right now i think in us because you know i think that right now the uh the us is is growing a lot you know for the past years but but yeah we we come along uh road so yeah it's it's definitely evolving you know to uh the right track you know that's cool because i'll tell you what man i i feel like the polish bodybuilders that i've known have all been really thick dudes like real thick dudes that get really nasty peeled you know you know why why is that okay potatoes <laughs> that's the answer huh? you also potatoes. have all the good so secret like soviet era shit back yeah. in, like in your bathtubs down there that's what y'all got brewing lucas <laughs> potatoes polish kielbasa pierogi yeah. oh man dude we have a big polish community here in the detroit area and we have uh pierogies like all sorts of them man those are those are amazing i could probably start bulking gain 10 pounds quickly if i were to Head out and get some pierogies. Those things are so oh, yeah, good. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah, man. If you if you try the Polish food, you definitely gonna walk on a, on on a, on the right right track, you know. So yeah, man. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, at the outset, like there's uh, you recently got engaged. Are there plans for uh, competing anytime in the near future, Scott? Uh, I got sick last year. I right. I, uh, I caught the bug that everybody's caught. Now, I think I feel like honestly, in the last three weeks, like at least 30% of my clients have caught it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the new version doesn't seem to be quite as intense as the old version. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but I nearly died. Basically, I was hospitalized, pneumonia, all of that. And what really irks me is that I had figured out some cool stuff with training. That mm -hmm. You know, the, I guess the cool thing about bodybuilding is, is that you know, you, you can, you can do it for years and still, still discover new things. Okay. And at the beginning of the shutdown, I had built my own home gym 
and I was lucky enough to have the resources to get some really cool commercial equipment. And I put a lot of work into finding all this stuff and putting it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and my perspective on training changed. Like I didn't realize it, but I had this certain amount of um, like self-consciousness in the gym that I didn't realize I had. You know, you you know what I'm talking about? Like how even if you're comfortable with pulling your phone out and shooting a video, you still like in the back of my head, I have this thing in my head where I'd be like, oh, these people think I'm a douchebag, but whatever, I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I started shooting my lifts and one of the first exercises that I shot, the reason I shot it was that so I could make an Instagram video. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at it and I was like, huh. You know what? My form wasn't as good as I thought it, it was, you know, when I when I was actually in the minute uh, in the moment of the set. Yeah. So I started shooting a lot of my sets and I ended up using uh, the camera I podcast with like really cool, you know, like uh, DL, DSLR and just had it sitting on the tripod out there in the gym and mm-hmm. in my basement. And whenever I was going to do a top set, I just hit the record button and I started getting really comfortable with then reviewing the tape which isn't something I had really done before. Like I'd shot videos before and posted them and I'd, I'd of course see what I did. But this time I, I was really looking at that as the way that like any sport would look at the tapes, like football players are going to watch their plays afterward. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I started getting better and I, I learned, I, I, I fell in love with progression. Uh, I, I, I never saw myself as being an extremely strong person, but I got, my strongest in my forties. And part of that was through talking to people that I respected that were stronger than me, like guys that, you know, I looked up to and, um, and, and I got some good tips on improving my technique and some, some key exercises. And I got to the strongest that I'd ever been in my life. And I started making some really good progress. And I said to myself, you know, I'll compete again if I feel comfortable to the point where like, I've reached a new body size. Like I, I had been as big as I was uh, in the past, but not at the condition I was. And I thought to myself, you know what, if I could put on another 10 pounds through this process, uh, then maybe I'll consider competing. But then in, in as that happened, then I ended up getting sick and I lost 40 pounds. So uh, I've, I've still, I've gained some of it back, but it's now my recovery has been a whole other story. Um, and for a long time, it was it was difficult. Like it was difficult because I felt like I might not be able to keep bodybuilding in my life anymore, mm-hmm. and that was terrifying because like that's what I do. I'm a coach, and I'm on social media, and I'm on you know podcasts. And right. what who am I if I can't do this anymore? Like I really had a crisis, um, and you know I I came to terms with that to an extent. But then I also, I think just in the last several months, I've been really trying to figure out how I can get back And in, in, it's been a perspective change that I've really had. Uh, my issue is my lungs. And so mm-hmm. one of my favorite exercises being squats, um, I couldn't squat at all. I would do a couple reps and then I'd feel like I was being suffocated. So I felt defeated, but now my approach is to look at it almost like like when I've hurt my back or you hurt your knee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, how can I work around this? And it's a challenge I've never had to deal with before. Cause we've all hurt something. We've all, you know, either tore a muscle or hurt a joint and you can still figure out how to train around that. But when you can't breathe, 
it's like you can't push through anything. So, right. so figuring out how to push through has been a process of its own and figuring out how to deal with some of the, I, the other issue is just that after I have a really good workout, the next day I get sore and I deal with a lot of brain fog and it's hard to focus and concentrate for, so I, it's hard to like get into a groove and stay there. I'll get into a groove and then I get knocked out of it. Anyway, uh, this whole, you know, this whole phase right now is about trying to figure out how to get back to being my strongest and to still perform at my best. Because at the end of the day, I love bodybuilding. Like I absolutely love it. And all I really want to be able to do is perform my best that I can in the gym and be able to progress. And mm -hmm. if, if I can do those things, then I can improve. And if I can improve, then to me, it would be worth competing again at the moment. I can't, I can't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I can't see competing because there are other steps that I need to achieve first. But the way I see competing is it's, it's the end. It's a side effect instead mm -hmm. of the goal. I, I think that a lot of times younger people today get involved with the sport because they want to compete and they start from scratch with the goal in mind of that. I want to be a competitor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a tough route to go. I think if you can approach it by loving the sport and being your best at it, then being a competitor will be a side effect to that. And, and I, I think that you'll be a lot more successful that way. Just to my perspective, I don't, I don't think everybody has to agree with that, but if I, I do feel if you can, if you can at least have some of that perspective yourself, it will, it will give you some peace and it'll, it'll help you to enjoy the process, you know? So that's where I'm at. No plans of competing at the moment but plans of continuing to try to get better. Yeah. Is that where you really, because we'll hear to talk, people talk about their love of bodybuilding, but that could really be kind of almost broken in a, into two or maybe even three parts. It's so the actual active competitive sport and the pageantry of it, stepping on stage, doing the posing and all of that stuff. There's also the, the training and diet as I were like, you are just, you're taking yourself as this amorphous, you know, ball of clay or marble and you're chiseling it down through the proper application of training techniques, diet, sleep, all of that. And then there's the third avenue of just kind of going down like the research nerdy side of going down like, how are we able to manipulate our bodies through all these various mechanisms and pathways? So, you know, is it, can everybody kind of find their own way and love bodybuilding through a dirt different avenue? And I guess, which was the one that first pulled you into the, the art of bodybuilding in general? Hmm. I, I think I can't, I couldn't say it was like one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I can see, you know, what you're saying that there are these different, these different avenues. I think it all comes back to training though. I, I really do. You know, I, okay. I think that, you know, what ends up happening is a kid, finds the weights in his parents' basement or he lifts weights at school and, and he enjoys it. And then he gets the idea in his head that he wants to be stronger and he starts to pursue that. And then from there, you start to recognize, well, hey, uh, if I were to eat better, then I could probably achieve my goals better. And then you do that and then you get a response, you get a result. And yeah. then, then you keep going in further. And then that's, you know, eventually the enhancement, chemical enhancement, supplement enhancement, all that stuff. It all, it all complements that love of bodybuilding, the, the love of the weightlifting, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that every, for everybody, there is, you know, variations of that. And I know some coaches, they just, 
they're so focused on like the diet being the number one aspect and other coaches, mm -hmm. the training, the number one aspect. And then there are some people that really think it's the drugs that help to push you to, you know, be your best. I, I, I would like to think that it is a combination of those things. But for me, I would say the love comes back to the, the, the actual weightlifting that that's, that's what gives me the joy. And that's what gives me the excitement to, to continue doing this. And it's a day-to-day -day thing. Like mm -hmm. I'll lift weights. I feel accomplished. I get all those great endorphins kicking and the rest of my day is a little bit better. You know what I mean? And, and everything else kind of are pieces that fit around that for me. You try to, you like to train in the morning or uh, in the evening? I'm like a mid afternoon guy. I like like about about like one or two o'clock in the afternoon. I've had a few meals in me. Uh, still have a lot of energy left for the day, uh, but that that's that's my ideal. But I I could get used to training at any time. How about you guys? I've gone. I've run the gamut over the years. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I grew up with the taekwondo background, and our sessions oh. were always when I was after uh, elementary or high school or whatever. So it was always you know five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock at night. Then when I started getting really serious into resistance training, I was uh, commuting 45 minutes to go to my engineering job. And yeah. so I would wake up at 4.30 or five o'clock in the morning, hit my training session and then go to work. And then I flip that around to where I just get in the office early, finish my nine or 10 hours and come home and train at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And now that I work from home, it's kind of whenever I feel like it, but more often than not, it's around 11 o'clock, 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Nice. That's a good, that's a good place to be. So how many meals do you get in by the time you, you train then? Uh, currently it's two meals. Um, okay. before, like when I was doing the early morning stuff, it was wake up, take a serving of pre-work. Actually, this is before I even knew what the hell a pre-workout was. It was wake up and then just go jump right into the, the training session. Um, and then I did, did the, got into the kind of the whole intermittent fasting thing for a little while. Just And I'm not naturally hungry by nature. Like I have to go and wake up and go on like a 30-minute walk in the morning when I wake up just to try and get me kind of hungry because I could go the whole day and not get, really get hungry until 2 o'clock. So yeah. getting up and doing a little walk around the neighborhood, even when it's 30 degrees this morning like it was, that helps kind of like spike my hunger up to where I, I, it forces me to want to eat something. So typically uh, two meals before I go and train. That's that's what I like too. What about you, Lucas? I like to train fasted. Do you and really? You're one of those guys. Yeah, I'm one of the, those guys, but <laughs> not like super intentional. You know, it's basically I'm just like Robert. I'm not that hungry. Plus, you know, my my job is is that I'm most of my time I'm on my computer or I'm on my phone because I, I'm working for like a supplement distributor. So we distribute uh, the supplements around the Europe and so on. So I need to be like available basically 24 seven. Sometimes, cool. so, yeah, sometimes even more because, you know, you get a phone calls even, even around like 11 or 12 at night. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's cool that you have the option though, to be able to kind of set it up. If you enjoy training in the morning, you can do it, but that's gotta yeah. be stressful at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I like to like schedule all my workouts, you know, straight in the morning. That's why I asked you what time do, do you train? Because, you know, for me, it's like, you know, when I wake up, I uh, take my pre-workout, go straight to the gym, you know, and after that, you know, I, I'm like wired. So 
through the oh. entire day, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm energized, you know, I can like, you know, crush the walls, you know, and crush up some sales. So yeah, that's that's my thing, you know. The, cool. the caveat he's leaving out, Scott, is yeah. that his pre-workout is like minimum 500 milligrams of caffeine. Oh God, <laughs> oh God. That's hardcore, man. I gotta, yeah. I've gotta edit a podcast in the morning, so that's why, like, my first early morning stuff, I kind of like get my coffee or and then I sit at the computer and I get a podcast edited, and then if I have like competitors that are competing soon, they'll check in quick, like every morning, and so then I just kind of look them over, make sure everything's going right, and then you know get on with my day, do anything I got to do, get some shows recorded or whatever, and then I train after that. And then after that, then I get back down to like the rest of my stuff, the uh, you know, general nutrition. Do you try to take a lot of clients or you try to like be uh, like, you know, have like a, a limited, you know, number of, of people that you like, you know, train? I used and to train more. I, I used to have about twice as many clients as I do now. But I used to also only communicate with people on email. And I, I just focused on nutrition only. And now I focus on training and nutrition and I have people texting me. I, I use WhatsApp to be able to communicate with everybody. So there's a lot more interaction. And I think the work I do is a lot more detailed than it used to be. So yeah. I can only handle what I'm finding is about half as many people as when it was just like straight nutrition. Here's your check-in, check back in in five days or whatever the time frame was we needed, you know? And I used to do a lot more like general people would just be like every seven days, check back in every seven days. But now it's like, hey, we're doing this carb cycle and I want to see what you look like at your most depleted. So check back in in two days or three days, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, along the lines of coaching, there was um, some issues, potential issues that came up with diuretics use. And I know y'all had kind of covered that a little bit. Um, on your network of podcasts, do you, with your clients, uh, is there ever any concerns? Do they raise like when all of that started coming out about some of the, the deaths and stuff that were going on in bodybuilding, uh, does that kind of make them pause the brakes and say, Hey, just like a gut check to you to make sure like I'm doing everything that I can in my power to ensure like the health and safety of my clients. And I know everything is kind of on the up and up. I think this past year was really interesting in bodybuilding, uh, and when I say interesting, I don't mean in a good way. You know, we had yeah. a lot of a lot of health problems. You know, mm -hmm. we had a, like a number of deaths that happened, and I think that it had scared a lot of people because I had uh, clients uh, that you know kind of you know mm -hmm. talked to me about like kind of thinking about their goals, which I think is a smart thing to do. And then I had a slew of our podcast followers that started asking more questions about health and uh you know to me it, being around for quite a you know I, I guess at this point i can say i've been around for a while with bodybuilding mm -hmm. it's like these you know we had some worst case scenarios this year but we've always had that and those risks are always there yeah. and a big part of what we try to talk about on the podcast is trying to keep people safe and those mm -hmm. are the exact reasons why like the reason that we put these shows out isn't to like glorify high uses of gear or how to push yourself to the extreme. It's how to, how to get what you, how to get what you need to achieve, get that done, um, which is really extreme. 
and at the same time, understanding that what you're doing is extreme and it is taking risks. So how can we minimize some of those risks? So, you know, everybody that I podcast with will promote, you know, use the least amount of anything. And that goes across the board with, you know, supplements, drugs, cardio, you know, whatever it is, use the least amount you can use to get the goal that you need. Um, But I, I, it was interesting because I do feel like there were more people that, that became aware this year of, of our, their own mortality. And, and they, they started looking at, you know, how could bodybuilding affect that? You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, most people who are listening to the podcasts, you know, they're not making a living off of bodybuilding. And even if you are, you know, does that mean that you want to cut years off your life, decades off of your life? I, you know, where everybody's got to come to their own conclusion on, you know, the risks that they're willing to take. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to have, to be aware of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. I think that when, when you aren't faced with these tragedy tragedies, like we've had, then it's easy to think that it could happen to somebody else. Like, I don't know. I remember when I was a teenager, we got our house burglarized and I had that feeling of like, I can't believe this happened to us. Like, you know, yeah. I could see it happen to other people. I know it happens, but I was like shocked that it could have happened to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people had a similar response to a lot of the tragedies that have happened in this past year. You know, mm-hmm. that it, some of that stuff hit close to home, especially the way, you know, the, the world works in bodybuilding nowadays. You could mm-hmm. plug in and watch John Meadows on your TV or you know, your phone every day. You know, and I know what it's yeah. like. Like I said, I grew up uh, in bodybuilding, listening to podcasts, and mm-hmm. the connection that you form to the hosts of the shows, the people on the videos, like you feel like these people are your friends. Yeah. And you know, when one of these people passes away, man, it hurts just like it really was your friend. So yeah. it's 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 a tragedy. I just hope that people can learn from that and that people can think a little bit more. And especially, I think the, the, the most dangerous spot is when you are competing, because then at that point, it's like, that's when you start to really say, Hey, I'll just, I'll, I'll up this dose, you know, yeah. Hey, I, I want to be as the, when the competitor in you takes over and you try, you know, to, to do better. But here's the reality is that the people who are the best in the sport, they were already the best without the drugs. Right. And if you need the drugs to keep up with them, you can only do that for so long before something gives out. And those people are going to still continue to be good because they never really had to push it. Look at a guy like Dexter Jackson, how long, you know, he was great for a long, long time. I don't know Dexter personally, um, but from what I understand, he wasn't a guy who had to really push things super hard. And you could see it in his training. You know, he wasn't taking risks. He, he didn't have to train, like Dorian to look the way he did, you know what I mean? Right. And, and, you know, it's a saving grace for him. I think that, you know, he didn't have to push to the point where he tore everything. Yeah. It's very, very well put. Um, looking back through the decades of bodybuilding, there's always a talk about, um, you know, decades past bodybuilders, 
versus today. And people will say conditioning was greater in the nineties and all that stuff. And, you know, I've heard, and you, you brought up John a couple of times and John had always said, look, the guys today are working just as hard as the guys back then. He said, you know, I remember him saying, he said, I think it's crap that they're saying that the people today aren't working. He said they are. But when you look back on some of the, the older physiques, like Arnold, Franco, Colombo, even, you know, some of the, 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 the forefathers of bodybuilding, like back from the 50s and 60s during the golden era, can you still appreciate those physiques, even though they're not like the, the mass monsters or maybe have the definition that the guys of today do? Or even the guys from yeah. maybe 20, 30 years ago in the 90s and early 2000s? Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guys were awesome, man. And I mean, I, I discovered bodybuilding through my parents when I was a kid, before I was even a teenager. And so I knew who Arnold was like, you know, at eight, I knew who Lee Haney was by the time I was 10. And I knew that he was like the master of the world at that point too, you know? So I, I mean, I, I can, you know, that, that, those are, our, those are our roots. And I do think that if they had an understanding of technology, like we do today, as Ronnie used the word technology, I think that that includes not only the drugs, but the training, the nutrition, you know, I think that, you know, they, they, they would have been closer to what we're seeing now. You know, I, I don't know. I, I loved a lot of those looks, you know, those guys were, were freaking awesome. Yeah. Would you like it to see, to go maybe back towards that size a little bit, or do you like the ever almost increasing size? Like we're getting with Rami these days. Do you want to see just basically to the freakish size limit that you want to get? Or do you, kind of gravitate more towards maybe a balance or a more aesthetic kind of appeal not necessarily classic physique but something kind of in between i guess classic and where like the the super heavies are nowadays yeah i love conditioning uh so Mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a big fan of classic uh i think terrence ruffin has an incredible physique i like him a lot chris bumstead obviously he's got such a unique look you know what i mean it's so cool so i i love those guys um, and, and I do think, you know what, I'll, I'll say this. I think that constraints can make us our best. You know, if you look at the conditioning of the 212 guys, a lot of those guys are coming in just razor sharp. And then that's because they have to, to, to make that weight. And I think that if you don't have constraints, then there, there is no limit. Then you end up like, I, I, you know, I, I didn't think like personally that this year's past year's look of Rami was like his best look you know I you know was he able to to, was he good enough to win obviously he did um but I I like to see I guess when I say balance I want to see somebody as big as they should be for their individual size but at the same time absolutely peeled like obviously I want to see a bigger Rami than I want to see a bigger Brandon Curry you know what I mean like Rami's size he should be bigger I don't think that Brandon needs to match that to beat him but you know, to to both be their best, they both need to be absolutely peeled too. So, man, it's a it's a tough balance to to be like. Man, I remember I was my best in two thousand and I think eleven ish or so as a middleweight, and then to beat that conditioning took me like four or five more years to get back to that again because it was like, man, it's hard to be your best, and these guys are doing it year after year. It's it's cool to see. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that constraints aren't a bad thing. I want, I'm a condition guy, though. I guess that's that's the long and short of it. I want to see somebody absolutely peeled. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, too, I'm Lucas. Exactly, you got, you got yeah, a smile on your face there about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you, man. As far as like you know, 
conditioning. That's why I was like, you know, honestly, I was a bit disappointed as far as like this year's Olympia and last year's Olympia. Yeah. And I think that, you know, judges are putting more emphasis into like, you know, the sizing aspect and not as far as like conditioning. And, you know, honestly, uh, I may I may gain some haters for the for, for this opinion, but I don't think that like Grammy should won this this past year. I think that yeah. Brandon I think that Brandon was amazing. And when I was listening to your podcast with uh, with Ron and Dusty, and Dusty mentioned that like uh, when he saw Brandon, he was like you know amazed, you know, with with his conditioning and his 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 form. And I was like you know same man, just like uh, I'm 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 cheering for Brandon like twenty four seven, you know. And for me, even like Hardy was was way way better than than Rami, but you know I can understand it, you know. Grammy is freaky, and that's probably why he he won. So, so yeah. yeah, but I'm super excited about you know the the new guard that is coming right now. Yeah, especially uh, I'm I'm like, who's your favorite? Right now, you know, I think that I've got like three guys that okay. I'm cheering the most. So uh, probably Nick, Nick, yeah. Nick, one of the uh, one of those guys. Uh, the second, I would definitely say that Brad Wilkin is is someone yeah. that like cheering a lot, and the the third guy is probably Ian. <laughs> yeah, those are three great bodybuilders. That's for sure. If I had to pick one out of the three, I'd say Brett's my dude too. He's he's awesome, and I you know, but you can't take away from either you know uh either really either of those guys ian and nick are freaking amazing as well yeah yeah. do you think it's at least three to five years before any of them supplant rami or hottie as the top oh man i don't know i don't know i feel like brett came on so strong and this is me as a fan like a, a, a fan of brett you know it's like he came on so strong um i, I i'll be curious to see what he does in the next i couldn't see him being mr olympia next year but i'd be curious to see where he's at in i'll see i'd be curious to see what happened this following year and the year after that you know and and that'll tell us a lot more uh i like ian a lot i don't know if i don't know if he has the structure to be uh mr olympia and when i say that i just feel like i think he might get exposed by some other guys on structure and i don't know i could be wrong and I don't know about Nick. I mean, he's also he, guy's brand new. He's so young, and he's an absolute like all three of those guys. They're absolute freaks. I mean, if I were to, I, it, it, yeah, it's hard. To, it would be hard to to pick out any reasons. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I could see any of them though being fantastic in the future here. Yeah. Uh, anything before we wrap up, uh, Scott? We're approaching the end of our uh, time together. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to? Or, uh, or shamelessly plug? Nah, man. I, uh, yeah, I, I hope I shared something that was, I don't know, entertaining or insightful. Uh, I, if, if anybody's still watching right now, then I appreciate you guys spending the time with us. And I appreciate you guys spending this time with me to hang out and chat. Uh, it's good to get to know you a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd love to do something again in the future. Yeah. We, we appreciate the time. This is, uh, like, uh, Luke's and I've told you a couple of times. We, uh, our ardent listeners to all the different shows on uh, the Think Big Bodybuilding Media Network. 
um, and going back to the advices radio days before that and bodybuilding nerds, it's, you know, you put out a, var a variety of shows and it just kind of depends on what mood I'm feeling that day, but it, you know, it's more times than not, I'm tuning into one of the shows on there. So I very much enjoy it. Thank you for putting up a good platform of just, you know, honest information with not really any agendas behind it. Uh, that's very much needed. Um, and then last, do you do any new tropics? I know you've dabbled with them, but like on a heavy podcast day, are you dosing anything regularly? Or do you kind of experiment with different stacks of stuff? Uh, well, I want to say thank you too, by the way. Thank you guys both for listening to the shows because it, it means a lot to me. Like it's it's cool, you know. I, I don't foresee, like I'm not trying to grow the channel to be like the biggest thing that ever happened in bodybuilding. But, you know, if we can touch some real people, you know, and, and, and help them in some way, be it either through educating them to be better at the sport that we love or be it to help them get through a crappy work day that, mm -hmm. you know, helps them like mentally unplug a little bit while they're trying to get through their job. Hey, I'm I'm grateful that we can be there for that. Uh, cause that's, 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 that's what podcasting has done for me in my Absolutely. life. Um, and, and for nootropics, yeah. what, what's that Lucas? I just wanted to interfere and just want to say, you know, that, you know, sometimes like, you know, listening to podcasts is the best part of my, of my day. I know because what you mean, dude. Basically, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the, the chilling aspect, you, you just like, you can relax and just basically enjoy and you know sometimes it's like when you listen to a podcast it's like you know you know from the content perspective but sometimes it's just like you know i just want to listen to bullshit you know and some yeah. just like you know, q and a stuff and just like you know laugh at the same time and just just like relax but on the other side you know just like if, if someone is putting like a let's say you know interview or, or like you know information uh, like you you posted like a few weeks ago with uh with, with stevenson about you know the, the whole quarantine and so mm -hmm. on that was, that was so awesome you know he's so great was, yeah and i was like just, I, I remember i was like doing my cardio and at the same time listening to the to the quarantine stuff and uh the one hour just like blew up like that you know yes so, so yeah, that, that's 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 something unique. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you from from my standpoint as far as like you know putting content content out there, you know, for people. Hell yeah, hell yeah, thank you, man. Um, yeah, I, I, on nootropics, I've I've experimented with them in the past. I'd be I'd be open to your guys' suggestions and thoughts. I have this issue. This is me personally, but. I think, and I, I got some genetic testing done. I haven't gotten the results back yet, but I think I have something weird in the, my cytokines, like the, mm -hmm. I think in the P450 pathway is what I kind of learned may be the cause that I'm not, I don't break things down as well as other people. So, yeah. So I'm one of those people that with, with like, you've heard of some people that have a bad reaction to Yohimbine. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people like I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll have a bikini competitor and that we're supposed to be taking like, you know, five milligrams. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm taking 15. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and yeah. and then you take me and I take like two milligrams and I feel like I've got a, like a, a nauseous, fevery kind of clammy feeling for the next 10 hours. It's not good. Mm -hmm. It's it's a mess. So that's happened with with drugs, too. Like I tried uh an ADHD medication called Stratera 
and it's a dopamine reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and, and they, they step you up on the dose. So I got the packet that starts with like five, then 10, then 15 milligrams, 22, you know, 28, all that. You get up to like 60 and that's the normal dose. And the way I understood it with Stratera, it's not like taking Adderall. You, you A month later, six weeks later, you reflect on your life and you're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I've been more productive. I, I can tell it's been working. Mm-hmm. For me, I took five milligrams of Stratera and I'm like, it's like the like I, I can see the matrix and I'm like, bam, 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 bam you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, and I tried and I was like, okay, this is all, you know, I can't take more. So I talked to my doctor. I think it was like 10 milligram capsules I was getting. And she was like, yeah, understand you're weird. And this is a baby dose, but I got a prescription for 10 milligrams. And after like six, seven days, it had kept building and building and it was too much. I've had the same issue with different blood pressure medications. And uh, in the past, when I was younger, I used uh, some uh, SSRI inhibitors for depression. Same thing would happen with that. So I have a weird, weird processing of certain drugs, not all of them, but certain drugs. And so for that reason, I've had some, uh, I've had some odd issues with nootropics. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I've had some that, that work really well. We, we were sponsored by a nootropics company for a while. Um, I don't think that they're in business anymore. I haven't seen them around, but I've experimented with like, uh, Huprazine A and uh, alpha GPC. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've found. Now I'm using L-carnitine injectable as a nootropic. That's kind of like part of my post post uh, virus stack. So mm-hmm. uh, I found that that helps. I mentioned the brain fog. I'm using that yeah. on a consistent basis, and that seems to be helping me um, with my like cognitive function on those days that I would normally be feeling foggy. Huprazine mm-hmm. um, A, I like that one a lot. What what do you guys have to say about this stuff? I'd be curious to know your thoughts. One thing that just immediately jumped to mind. So it's, if it seems like just from like from your end, if there's a, if it seems like your body's slow to break down stuff, instead yeah. of taking stuff that's preventing the body from breaking down things further, so like the dopamine reuptake inhibitor or the, the SSR, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, what about attacking from like the other end of the pipeline? So, you know, instead of delaying the finished product from yeah. slowing that from breaking it down or, you know, being reabsorbed. What if you just fed more of like the precursors and the substrates into the system and maybe oh. that might be a little bit better to where you're going to build up, you're going to supply more of the raw materials and then it can kind of just, you know, build up naturally and be produced naturally. And then since it might be a little slower to degrade in your body, maybe that'll help give it a little bit more even feel. I almost, I almost wonder. It just be a very yeah. interesting case study to mess with you with a couple of different things. That's what it just, so it just what would be your, my brain. Yeah. What would be your suggestions in that department? Maybe I'll explore them. Uh, I mean, alpha GPC is a great one. Uh, I also like CDP choline or city choline. Okay, uh, they're both yeah. choline donating compounds. So 600 milligrams of alpha GPC or between 250 and 500 milligrams of city choline or CDP choline. You can start okay. on the lower end. Um, that one I find has a little bit more of like a neurocharging or like a stimulating effect without being super jittery like caffeine would be. Okay. Um, I love that. Uh, Lion's mane just for general cognitive health because that ramps up some of the proteins in your brain. That- I thought about getting so, into that. I thought about giving that one a try. You're yeah. you're a fan of lion's mane, huh? Yeah, just daily administration of that is great. Um, Have you guys both used that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. tons. What, what yeah. do you think, Lucas? 
we're big fans of, of mushrooms. So yeah, man, that's that's something that I'm I'm taking on a daily basis and I've noticed like tremendous results with no kidding. Rishi, Chaga, those kinds of things. So I would highly recommend to invest in those. But definitely, you know, try to invest in like, you know, high quality, you know, extract body especially, you know, not mycelium, but try yeah, to the like, fruiting body. Yeah, body. Yeah. Okay. And just regular, regular L tyrosine is also good for supporting oh, dopamine yeah. production I too. Love, just that's a great one. I love L tyrosine. Yeah, a couple of grams of that. One anywhere between like one to three grams is is you know kind of in the sweet spot of that. Okay. Um, those are a couple like the ones that immediately jump to mind. Then you can go down the rabbit hole of stuff that like just ramps up your body's ability to produce some of these neurotransmitters, stuff like nupept or phenylparacetam and a bunch of other stuff. But just starting with some of like the precursor stuff, kind of like you would with protein powder or individual amino acids, like essential amino acids. Yeah, yeah. But just kind of do like one or two of these and maybe try it on an empty stomach. Or since you're a fan of L-carnitine, you could do something like acetyl-L-carnitine. But if you yes. got the injectable stuff, I mean, it, the acetyl group, Let's across the blood brain barrier and it'll give a little bit more of like a, a stimulating kind of thing to your brain, in addition yeah. to all the other, you know, fat oxidative benefits of regular carnitine. But that's another one. It's also helps clear up some of like the tau tangles and beta amyloid plaques that can accumulate in your brain. Okay. Um, it's cool. Those are just some just fun ingredients that I like. Those are kind of daily staples. And then you get into Bacopa. Um, is one for daily health, especially for memory call, verbal processing, stuff like that. No kidding. I don't know that one. Yeah. That's you're saying you're speaking a language I'm not familiar with. Tell me about that one. Yeah. It's so there's a bunch of it's an herb been used in Ayurveda for centuries. There's a couple of different standardized extracts on the market for that. They're standardized for bacopicides or bacicides, depending on which one you're going for. Okay. Um, Bacognize is the brand that I usually use 300 milligrams of that. And this one's been studied like a lot of these nootropics. They haven't been extensively studied in humans. But yeah, Bacopa is one of the few that really has been, um, especially when you take it four, eight, 12 weeks, just take between 300 to 600 milligrams a day, uh, improves memory, verbal recall, number processing and all of this kind of stuff. Been studied in young teenagers, you know, teenagers all the way up to elderly. And it's pretty, pretty solid on in terms of its benefits. No kidding. Huh? Yeah, and it does a couple of things. So it'll stimulate GABA in the brain, acetylcholine. It kind of inhibits the breakdown of acetylcholine, the, the main learning neurotransmitter. Yeah. Uh, modulates GABA so it doesn't, if it's kind of like other adaptogens where if you're feeling over excited, it'll kind of bring you back down. And if you're feeling a little flat, it'll kind of raise you up a little bit. So it can kind of, and it messes with serotonin uh, a bit as well to kind of, that's where it helps kind of pick you up if you're feeling down or bring you up if you're, you know, and or vice versa. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. I found what I've ended up having happen is like some of the stuff, um, I like even like the new pep, I'll get mm -hmm. a terrible headache from it, even at small doses. So it's like, yeah, I, I, it's kind of, it's been hit or miss. I'll get, you know, some sort of side effect like that or anxiety, you know, edginess, stuff like that. But you know, it's, it, it's, it is nice when you can find something that works. And I found for me with stuff like cuprazine A, almost it's like mm -hmm. if I can use it infrequently, then right. I have yeah. my, my best result, you know? Yeah. Especially for like Huprazine, Nupept, I'd use sparingly. Yeah. Um, just the, that's because that's what we were talking about, like supplying the precursors of our stuff that's happening on the back end of the intermediate. And so like Nupept is ramping up acetylcholine usage in your brain. And if you're not, don't have enough inputs in there, like enough choline in your coming in. Yeah. That's where you start to get the, that headache or that brain no fog. No kidding. So, no kidding. Yeah. So if you do new pep, I usually tell people to take 
some alpha GPC or CDP choline with it. And then that'll kind of help ameliorate those uh, unwanted effects. Okay. Huh. So yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. And that's what, that's a, it's a whole rabbit hole. Like the world of nootropics is so expansive that you, you good luck trying to keep up with everything. And that's just, even from my end, it's, there's always new shit coming out. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's exciting to see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And some of it has a really nice application to bodybuilding too. And I'm seeing more and more of it show up mm -hmm. in pre-workouts and stuff like that. No, oh, yeah. Especially since we don't have the, the fun stems of like DMAA, ephedrine, DMHA anymore and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the uh, DMA. That stuff was amazing. It was. Uh, that was like, and that one worked great for me. We're talking about all these things that like don't work. Like that one, I'd take 25 oh, yeah. to 50 milligrams and it was like solid and post-workout. I didn't crash. That was Be flying. That was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, Scott. Well, I know we, we started trying to wrap this up maybe 15 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 hey, I'm learning some stuff. This, this part's fun to me. So I, I appreciate go. listening to you guys. Cool. Um, where can uh, everybody find you if they want to hit you up for either? Are you taking currently taking clients if anybody wants to reach out for coaching, nutrition stuff or anything? Sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in talking. Uh, if you were interested in coaching, hit me up at McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And uh, the only other thing I'll plug is, uh, you know, think big bodybuilding media. If you guys like YouTube, you can find us there. If you like listening to podcasts, iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever else, Stitcher, uh spotify go there you'll find us think big bodybuilding media awesome i'll include links to everything in the show notes scott and uh thank you so much for joining us man have a great day and uh keep up the great work cool it was great to get to hang out with you guys and, and meet you both here i'll say in person kind of in person and get to talk <laughs> I, I really appreciate it all right thanks a lot, scott